Lord, a living message to our souls. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Today's Hebrew scripture reading is Genesis 45, verses 3 through 15. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household, and all that you have, do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt, and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon him. After that, his brothers talked with him. And today's gospel reading is from Luke 6, 27 through 38. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other also, and for one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and for one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. On the surface, these passages from today can be taken as nice, warm, fuzzy passages about love and getting along. Forgive your brothers when they hurt you. Be kind to everyone. They're the sort of passages we refer to when we've done something nice for another person and we want to pat ourselves on the back for having been such good Bible followers. We think to ourselves, I held the door open for that person in the wheelchair because if I were in a wheelchair, I would want someone to hold the door open for me. And then we add a merit badge to our imaginary Christian scout uniform in our mind. As Christians, we say we don't buy into the idea of karma, the idea that what goes around comes around. But when it comes to the way we live our lives, we're totally sold on the idea of karma. But it's not about what you'll get in return for being nice. Before you go out and start all willy-nilly being super nice to all the most terrible people in your life because the golden rule says so, let me remind you that we need to be careful here to make sure we're being kind, not just nice, and that we are not doing it for the wrong reasons. Kill them with kindness just means annoy them by pretending to be nice. You catch more flies with honey just suggests that you should use niceness to entrap others who make you mad or manipulate them into being nicer to you. The golden rule is often used more as a way to gain fans who will return your favors than it is a way to see our shared humanity reflected in the eyes of the people around us. In fact, the golden rule did not originate in the Christian Gospels with the words of Jesus. It was already around as a cultural concept, and as he does with many cultural ideas of his time, Jesus says, sure, do that, but go a step further. Change the perspective from which you do this thing. If you pull that do unto others line from this passage and keep it isolated from the rest of the passage, you can avoid the truly hard parts. You can just be nice to people as much as you can muster and call it a day. But when you add it in with everything else, you get a very different vibe and a much harder road to walk. Remember also that niceness is very different from kindness and love. We want to make this passage easier by talking about being nice to our enemies and treating others nicely, but the word nice is not used in Luke. Niceness suggests being sugary sweet and polite all the time and always saying yes. Niceness is not always healthy, but love speaks truth. Love sets boundaries with other people. Love comes from a place of shared humanity not a system of purchasing better behavior or responses from those around us. Love is also not meant to be reserved only for the people we deem worthy of love. That's not our judgment to make. We are called to show kindness and even love 
to those who aren't even nice to us. It's easier to be nice than it is to be loving. We have less to lose in trying to be nice than we do in being truly loving to others. It's easier to be polite at all costs than to seek deep and meaningful relationship with the people around us. It's easier to assume that someone is just being mean because they are the enemy from this passage than to ask them about who they are. When we take the love our enemies path, we are forced to see when we have been someone's enemy. It's hard to suck it up and ask someone what we might have done to offend them or wind up on their bad side or rub them the wrong way. It's difficult to admit that we aren't always the good guy in this passage and the other person isn't always the bad guy. In showing kindness and love to those we see as enemies, we Like Joseph in Genesis 45, tend to be confronted with our own shortcomings, and that just plain sucks sometimes. With love comes humility. If you love those who don't love you first, you are better able to grow into your full identity as children of God and brothers and sisters to all of God's other children. The thing that makes Joseph's story from Genesis so astounding is the magnitude of the betrayal his brothers committed against him. In a nutshell, Joseph was the favorite son in a family of many sons. He was a know-it-all tattletale who told their father every time his brothers messed up. He had dreams that said he would be a ruler one day, and the first thing he does is he runs to his brothers and tells them, you're going to bow down to me one day. So, of course, his brothers were all jealous of the way their father treated tattletale, know-it-all Joseph. So they sold him off as a slave and told their father he was dead. And he spent many years working hard to rise through the ranks. And eventually, he scored a job working directly for the Pharaoh and helping to rule all of Egypt. When Egypt found themselves well-prepared for a famine that struck, thanks to Joseph... Joseph's family back home was caught unprepared, not knowing who they would have to go begging for food from, and assuming that Joseph was still someone's slave or was actually dead by now. The brothers traveled to Egypt to seek some humanitarian help and wound up in an unlikely situation. By the world's give-them-what-they-deserve standards, Joseph should have sent them away empty-handed. The idea of karma suggests that Joseph brothers got exactly what they deserved, and he should just sit back and say, "Uh (laughs) aha. And yet, when they were starving and came to Joseph for food, not even recognizing him at first because it had been so long, he fed them, and he told them who he was, and he forgave them. And this was no show of forgiveness to make himself look good either. Joseph was so grateful to be reunited with his brothers that he wept. Once upon a time when he was still the arrogant kids his brothers were so jealous of and annoyed by, he might have put on a show of forgiveness. But all these years later, after all he had been through, Joseph has allowed God to change him. He's grown. You see, it's all about building and rebuilding relationships with with one another in order to celebrate our shared humanity. I read a great story recently that sums this up nicely. And the guy who wrote it goes through a similar process to Joseph's of losing his arrogance 
and learning humility and why loving even those we see as enemies matters because sometimes we will find that we were not the good guy in the story. He says, in one of my management classes, I sit in the same seat in the front every day. Every single day, I sit there. Now, I also sit next to some foreign guy that barely speaks English. This guy also has a habit of stacking every item he owns in the exact space I sit. His bag, his food, his books, and his phone are always right on my desk space. Now, every single time I walk into class, this guy says, ah, Tom, you here, okay, and starts frantically clearing my desk of his belongings. He then makes it a habit to say, ready for class, yeah, and gives me a high five. Every day, this guy gives me a high five. I was always annoyed with this guy. I'm thinking, dude, you know I sit in this seat every day. Why are you always stacking your stuff here? And the last thing I want to do is give a guy who barely speaks my language high fives at eight in the morning. But today, I came to class and was running a few minutes late. I'm standing outside because I had to send a quick text. I could see my usual space through the door out of the corner of my eye. Of course, my desk was filled with his belongings, the usual. As I'm standing there on my phone, another guy who was also late walks into the class before me and tried to take my seat since it's the closest to the door. The foreign guy who always sits next to me stops this dude from sitting down and says, I'm sorry, my good friend Thomas sits here. It was then that I realized this guy wasn't putting stuff on my seat to annoy me. He was saving me the seat every morning. And this whole time he saw me as a friend, but I was too busy thinking about myself to take him into consideration. Cheesy as it sounds, I was touched. The guy moved here from the Middle East to pursue a college education in America. He plans to go back after he gets his degree. He's got two kids and a wife. He works full time and sends all his leftover money back home to his wife. I asked him how he, likes, uh, how he liked America as well. He said he misses his family, but it's exciting to be here. He also said, not every American is nice to me like you are. <laughs> Twisting it just a little bit. I bought lunch, of course. <laughs> the dude deserves it. He gave me a high five for buying lunch. <laughs> Gotta keep up tradition. Moral of the story? Don't do what I do and constantly only think about yourself. It took me nearly the entire semester to get my head out of my butt, not the language he uses, and realize this guy was just trying to be my friend. Better late than never, I suppose. Oh, my dear friends, none of this is easy. And it takes a lifelong time, or a lifetime of learning humility to really get the idea that Luke is trying to drive home in our gospel passage today. It took the guy in his management class an entire semester to show genuine kindness, not just niceness, to a guy who wasn't even an enemy. He was just inexplicably annoying. It took Joseph a lifetime to move past his arrogance and learn to show kindness to his brothers after they had hurt him. But once they did, relationships blossomed. When we as a church think about how to build up meaningful relationships with one another here within these walls and with the community around us, these are important stories to remember. We're not just here to be nice to everyone. We're here to be kind and loving. 
Organized religion has hurt countless people throughout the ages, and recent news gives us many more examples to point to. So it's up to us to be kind, not just nice. It's up to us to admit that people have been hurt by churches and other religious organizations, and instead of acting defensively, stopping to listen to their stories and offer reconciliation and a safe, loving place to be. We are not just here to host motorcycle blessings or Bible studies or fitness classes because we'll gain a bunch of new members or large donations, but because it's a loving way to connect and build meaningful relationships with our neighbors, with the community around us. We might make a few new friends along the way, for sure, and that is a beautiful, beautiful bonus. But more importantly, we will be able to celebrate our shared humanity with the people around us. And God will surprise us with plans we never saw coming and with unexpected new life that we never could have imagined. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Amen.